0: When did you last attend the worship service in the church? How quiet and controlled was it? Now think of a good word to describe it while you are inspired by the Dunker Punks theme song, written and performed by Jacob Krauss.
1: I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no, I don't want to be a goat. Don't wanna be ignorant. Don't wanna be blindfolded. I just wanna be countercultural. I don't wanna be violent. Don't wanna have a vendetta. Don't wanna be vengeful. No. I don't wanna be a soldier. Don't wanna be militaristic. Don't wanna help that cycle. I. Just wanna be a countercultural pacifist I don't wanna be a racist don't wanna be a capitalist don't wanna be sexist no I don't wanna pass judgment don't wanna hold grudges don't wanna be hateful I just wanna be Countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover I don't want to shop at Walmart Don't want to grow Monsanto Don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no I don't want to burn petrol Don't want to eat perfect fruit Don't want to feel guilty I just want to be Countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving, organic gardener I want to be authentic I want to be radical I want to be optimistic Honest, beautiful I want to be humble I want to be progressive I want to be open my inspiration I want to be like John Wesley Or Sarah Major Or Anna Mouth. I want to be like Martin Luther Or Martin Luther King Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk for John Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, Jesus Christ but mostly. I just wanna be me. I just wanna be me.
0: Our world needs new and creative ways to do and be church. Welcome to this episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, your host. Thanks to Elizabeth Ellery Swenson, we get to hear about the new ways sprouting up in many places, new ways to be church. And I'm excited to hear about the worshiping community and parables in Chicago because they are really inclusive. By that, I mean they go beyond the typical list of races and genders that many of our churches welcome and affirm. Jean Davies in the Parables Community of Faith embraces other abled and special needs individuals and families by design. Oh, I'll let Elizabeth and Jean tell you as our return contributor, Elizabeth Ullery Swenson, interviews Jean with a conversation about comfort and welcome.
2: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen, Hi friends, 15,
3: sixteen. My friends, Elizabeth ulrichs Swenson here again to continue our conversation 19, about new 20, and creative ways to do and 20. be church. I am the planting pastor for Wildwood Gathering in Olympia, Washington. We're a new community of faith that is exploring and redefining what it means to be church. This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jean Davies from the Chicagoland area, where she is a planting pastor for Parables Community. Uh, Thank you for meeting up with me and having this conversation I think um, at the church planting conference last uh, spring at Bethany Theological Seminary where we sort of I was introduced to what you're doing for the first time and I would love it if you would sort of just give us an introduction to um, what you're working on what your project is what your ministry is right now.
4: Thanks sure Um, so I'm the planting pastor for Parables Community and Parables community is open to all people uh, as a worshiping community, but is especially targeted at families who have a family member who has special needs or a disabled person in their family. So um, somebody with Down's uh, Syndrome or somebody with, um, we have a uh, someone with Williams Syndrome or autistic people, um, Often worship is not structured uh, so that people who have disabilities feel welcome. It's one thing to say, you're welcome in our community if you can sit down and be quiet and follow instructions and not disrupt anybody. But it's another thing to say, you're welcome uh, if you need to get up, move around, make noise, leave... The sanctuary, come back to the sanctuary, maybe multiple times. Um, the inspiration for the ministry, parables ministry on which this is modeled, um, the original inspiration was uh, when Leslie Nugent, who is the founding pastor of the parables worship ministry in Wayzata, Minnesota, was sitting in worship and during the sermon there was uh, a little boy with disabilities who is in a wheelchair, multiple disabilities. And during the sermon, he started singing Jesus Loves Me.
2: Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Oh, a Bible. Oh, a Bible tells me so. Little one, to him be wrong and weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes,
4: Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus
2: loves me. The Bible
4: tells me so. They are kind, Christian community. Nobody was upset by that. Nobody was angry about that. But, you know, heads turned. Nobody really wanted the sermon interrupted, right? They thought it was sweet. And yes, thank you very much. Stop now. (laughs) Right? Um, So his dad took him out of the sanctuary, you know, took his wheelchair and wheeled him out of the sanctuary. And Leslie thought to herself, the holiest thing that happened in this hour just got hustled out the door. So So instead of doing that with these sacred moments, this child singing Jesus Loves Me, why not take those moments and lift them up and celebrate them? Parables is a no-shushing zone, a place where all people with various needs and abilities and gifts can come. Um, It's not only a place to belong Where people would notice if you were gone where you're a part of the community, but it's also a place uh, for People with disabilities to serve as creators worship leaders song leaders uh, People who have special needs also have special gifts to use Um, and often they're not called upon to serve so Yeah, so Parables is open to all people with a special emphasis on including people who have been uh, invited to leave the sanctuary and go in the narthex or, you know, a classroom or something.
3: Mm, That's, um, I'm excited just hearing about it because I can think of so many people in my life that I have interacted with that would benefit from a community like this. even simply children. I think of so many worship experiences that are not welcoming to children and I just can't imagine um how we have sort of developed as an institution of church to be so austere and so strict in who we who is welcome and what it looks like to be a Christian that we can't provide space for children people with varying abilities and disabilities and um I think it just seems so much more lively and so much more spirit-filled to embrace those moments of the Holy Spirit breaking in than to sort of say, that's not how the Holy Spirit is supposed to look. Yeah. Who are we to decide? Yeah,
4: And I think the farther we walk along this journey with parables, the more we realize that we're just kind of re-envisioning the way that we do church, period. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) People will say, well, why are you going to exclude people? Why are you going to create a separate ministry? Um, for people who have disabilities that's not what we're doing what we're doing is changing the social norms for worship Mm -hmm. so um, if you don't have a disability well everybody has some
3: right everybody has their (laughs) um, fully able to to some aspects yeah
4: (laughs) your disability might be of trouble being kind you know they're all kinds of different disability you have being patient, right? Um, people with disabilities often have kindness and patience and abundance, right? Um, this is a worship service that's for all people. It's just designed to be a worship service, just that, for all people, right? Yeah. Everyone uh, belongs and everyone serves. Everyone has an opportunity regardless of gifts, abilities or disabilities.
3: It sounds like you're actively taking down those barriers that have been put up around um, who is allowed and who is welcome and what it means so just leveling the playing field and leveling what it means to be a part of the community and saying, you know, this is not, um, exclusive for people. You know, it's not removing people from traditional communities, but it's saying here's a place where you can actually come and, and engage in a way that's genuine and true from where you are. And, um, you can bring your whole self. And that's something I talk about with Wildwood Gathering too, is like bring your whole self. You don't get to bring your like, I have my life together. Things are good. sunshiny, perfect Sunday, you know, Sunday outfits and giving the perfect donation because you've got everything figured out. Like I don't, I don't really know anybody who's got it totally figured out and isn't church supposed to be the place where we can figure it out together and, and be our whole selves when we walk through the doors instead of these perfect, um, polished people.
4: I think that's hugely important. As I was thinking about our conversation today, I was thinking about um, how wonderful and also how challenging it is to create a church community that welcomes people that have felt marginalized or excluded or, or have been hurt. The church has done damage, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's an, an extra challenge it's maybe both a blessing and a challenge you know the blessing is a certain sense of impetus and freedom to imagine church in a different way Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because you have to there's no
3: there's no (laughs) liturgy written for
4: this (laughs) exactly um the flip side is um the church is built on relationship and relationships of trust so um, creating those relationships of trust is hugely important and can be challenging uh, when people have been hurt mm-hmm. by the church. So come as you are is hugely important. Can I really walk through the door as who I am? Will you really love me? We, we had a, a woman that was attending our church. She actually came to two or three worship services before she brought her granddaughter uh, because her granddaughter has Tourette's, right? Um, um, and so when she has a meltdown she uses inappropriate language right
3: yeah and
4: and she kept saying well my granddaughter is you know really different (laughs) I'm just she had to check out the place Mm -hmm. three times she had to check out our community before she would bring her granddaughter through the door because nobody is up for walking through the door and having another hurtful experience
3: right yeah I feel like a lot of at least the work that I do is spending, spend convincing people that no, you really can come. Like, you know, we have the language of extravagant welcome and all are welcome. Like they all have sort of become empty language almost. Yeah. And, um, even though we in our communities really mean it, other communities have co-opted the language and have made it mean something else, something that's not quite true. And so right. I, I spend a lot of time convincing people, no, this is like, you really can bring your whole self. Like you're going through a divorce, come let us support you in that. We want to to celebrate the bravery that it takes to change your life in that way. And we wanna walk with you and we want to, to support you and we wanna like uplift you in any way that we can. But the experience that others have been told is that when you're going through a divorce, you're no longer welcome here because right. a sin. Huh, right. So, um, how do we how do we prove how do we continue to show up and say that what we're doing, what we're saying, is really what we're actually doing? Um,
4: so, I think um, I was just reflecting several weeks ago that trust is a mutual endeavor.
3: Yeah.
4: So, part of it is being trustworthy. That's what we usually think. We need to be trustworthy. We need to demonstrate that we're trustworthy, and that's certainly true. Yeah. But we also need to trust the people walking through the door. Um, I think we tend to, you know, set up some barriers <laughs> about what, you know, what they can do, what they can say. You know, when they first walk in, we have some limit limitations um, for our own safety and the safety of the community. I mean, what we think is safety, right, right? Um, uh, So trusting other people to have, that they are bringing gifts that the community needs. Uh, One of the conversations, I went to a Summer Institute on Theology and Disability this summer, and one of the conversations that they were having, um, one person said, I I hate the word welcoming.
3: Mm.
4: Because even even the word welcoming smacks a little bit of paternalism, right? Who is welcoming whom? Hmm. Mm. Um, so that's already presuming that you don't have uh, the people with disabilities in your leadership, right, For in my case. Um, and, and, and it might lead people to think, oh, we're being so generous, right, that we're being so nice that we are welcoming these people into our community as long as they do things the way we want them to do (laughs) Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
3: things that
4: we want them to say right and this gentleman said he was uh, deaf and he said you know you don't build a ramp uh, uh, a wheelchair ramp up to the bima which is the chancel the front of the uh, synagogue in a Jewish temple is the bima don't build a ramp up to the front of the synagogue uh, and you don't have a sign language interpreter for us you don't make those who are those accommodations for they're not for us they're for you they're for the sake of the community because if you don't include us you don't have a true community you have a glorified country club
3: yeah
4: you need us and it's true we do yeah we've been excluding people for too long that we need to be
2: whole
3: yeah thank you those are great um i'm so thankful you shared that because it speaks in, it speaks volumes and across so many different facets of of what it means to truly um be the body of christ and truly usher in seek out the kingdom of god and um uh, that we're doing it too. we're limiting it entirely too much and it's to our own detriment it's you know uh, the kingdom of God is out there. We're in here waiting for it to show up. And maybe <laughs> we need to be inviting, welcoming, ushering in the yeah. in new ways. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and inviting them to participate, belong, lead. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Well, I want to shift the conversation just a little bit from sort of the big picture of what you're doing ministry-wise to sort of the more minutia details of of how you got into church planting? Was this something that you went to seminary expecting to do at some point? Like how did you find your way to doing this cultivating new community um, in an intentional way?
4: I think that um, I love the tradition of church. I'm not a person who rebelled against the church. I grew up in a very liberal branch of the United Church of Christ. So I used to say, You know, I I didn't rebel against the church because there's nothing to rebel against, really. My church was very open um, uh, and progressive. Um, I'm a singer, so I love four-part harmony. Uh, Joining the Brethren was partly for the music and the singing. (laughs) Uh, But also for um, social justice and peacemaking and... um, all of these uh, principles of Jesus' service um, uh, that we hold dear as brethren. But I think that my, in my experience as pastor, I'm, I was starting to see that the way that we do church is breaking down. It's almost like we're trying to force this model of church that we have onto a culture that it just doesn't work anymore. Um, and the people who are trying to do that are getting stretched more and more thin. Um, Along with that, alongside of that, is the concern of all the people that uh, we're excluding from church. I feel like being so narrow and being so rigid We've really boxed ourselves into a place where a lot of people can't even hear us anymore. There's a lot of baggage when you say you're a Christian these days, right? People make a lot of assumptions. When I was younger, people would say to me, uh, Oh, you're, she's a Christian. I was a member of a women's group of, you know, various, mostly no affiliation, right? And they would say, she's a Christian, um, but she's not like those Christians. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you need to find another name for yourself. You need to not call yourself a Christian because of all the, all the baggage that comes along with that. So I guess I was just yearning for a fresh expression of church, and I really didn't know what that was going to look like.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so I was beginning to think about that and what that might look like uh, when I saw Leslie Nugent. Uh, present on her parables worship ministry and I thought oh that's that's it that's for me that's uh, I just felt this strong passion and sense of calling so here I am and you know church planting I feel like is not for the Mm faint-hearted it's it's really really hard work I've recently had some health issues that have made me take a step back and Reevaluate how hard I am pushing,
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, and realize that I need to practice some good self-care. Um, but at no time do I ever think, "Boy, I I I really wish I'd rather be serving in a existing congregation." I I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't don't long for that. I really do long for this. And so I guess I feel like I'm in it uh, wholeheartedly, 100%. Um, I am God's servant in this ministry. And um, if it flies, I pray that it does, then it flies. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. We're in a hard time for the church. It's a difficult time. It's a huge time of transition culturally, and we're up against a lot of pressures um, that we can't really do anything about.
3: A lot of things that are, are very much um, in, in sort of like spoken word or poetry circles, or and I've adopted it for Wildwood. Uh, when you agree with someone, you just sort of snap at them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, yeah, me too. And so yeah. I, I found myself wanting to like habit what you just said, because there's so many pieces of that of like, I think those of us who are doing new ways of doing church planting, because there's, there's, there are sort of more traditional church plants as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those of us that are sort of branching off in this new way and reimagining what it means to be a community of faith. Um, we come from this experience of sort of looking at the institution as a whole and saying, there's something, someone, some people missing or there's a narrative missing from this conversation and how do we um we have this hunger to sort of like bring them into the conversation and so i think um i have realized that the only way to do that is to start something new um i tried for a, a long time to try and um bring them into something existing or to revamp something existing and it just didn't it didn't have the genuineness and it didn't have the um longevity it wasn't embraced in the way that it needed to be and so this ability to start clean to start fresh to say um we are a christian community but we're not like that so let's use different language let's claim something different um and and be able to to self-identify what it means to be a community of faith i think is so important and has been really powerful for me um to be able to claim the term pastor, to be able to claim the term Christian again in new ways. I remember um, sometime this summer, so the folks that are part of Wildwood Gathering, are typic- Are um, most of them either grew up in a faith community and left as, a, as young adults or adults, or they have no church, they're unchurched from their childhood. Um, and there was a lot of hesitation, you know, when they started coming to Wildwood they said, what is this? Like, I don't want to be a part of church. I'm not going to say I'm part of church. And so we have used community of faith. We've used um, spiritual gathering. We've used a lot of different language around trying to identify who we are and what we are. Um, but earlier this summer, there was a conversation that started, someone came up to me and said, I just introduced, I just said that I was going to church and I introduced you as my pastor. And this was <laughs> a huge thing because they yeah. were claiming that language and saying, no, I am going to church and this is what church is. Yeah. Um, and it was so... It's been so amazing to watch that transformation happen and to sort of patiently um, observe their embrace and reclaiming of language. And I think, um, I don't know about you, but I feel like what we're doing is laying the groundwork for the church of the future. Um, and I hope that that we both and others can weather it in such a way that as the institution figures out what it's doing, we can just keep doing what we're doing. And at some point, the they're going to look at what we're doing and say, that looks sustainable, that looks healthy, that looks like what we can be. And so then we have this opportunity to usher in a new generation of church and say, um, this is how we are imagining faith community in this healthy, positive way. Um,
4: I love uh, that you brought up the reclaiming of language. I think that's hugely, hugely, important we have these big and powerful words right um even just starting with the word god yeah. you know i remember we started with the word god in my youth group you know um in uh, my previous congregation and just talking about what do you think god is yeah. right yeah that's a that's an amazing conversation um, or what do you think about the Bible when you say Bible? Was that raised for you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, the impassioned responses to that. Um, salvation.
3: Mm-hmm. What does, it,
4: what does it mean to be saved, right? What does it mean to be saved? I was just at a conference um, the other day where the woman said um, – She was talking about reclaiming language and said, when I talk about salvation, I talk about being safe, being made to be safe, right? What does it mean to be safe? It's an important, uh, in this age of violence, (laughs) right, in this country, Mm -hmm. and upheaval, That's an important issue. What does it mean to be safe? And how do we create communities that are safe? And how do we, you know, uh, how do we create internal communities that are safe? How do we create a larger community in the world, right, that is safe? I think that there's some despair that church as it was is not working now. Mm -hmm. There's some grief over that. But I'm also fully convinced, and there's even some personal grief over that. I love the church.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, And I even love some of the forms of the current church. Um, But I also am convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not depend on the church in its current form. We have to be willing to let go. So that's, I I feel like that's an important question for church planting and for the church of the future. What are those core values? What are those core tenets that we hold on to? And what are some of the other cultural things that have built up over the years, beloved as they are, right, that we're gonna have to loosen our grip on uh, and let go? Mm
2: -hmm.
4: The one that comes to mind the most for me As painful as it is for me is four parts four part singing I love four part harmony I mean my mother was a pianist I grew up singing in harmony Um, and uh, and that's a grief for me that that's going away Mm -hmm. but the truth is it's going away culturally it's going away kids are not learning to sing in four-part harmony anymore. They are in some Brethren churches <laughs> and Mennonite churches, <laughs> yeah. but in general, they're not. So, and you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus sang in 4 part harmony. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we don't even know if Jesus could sing. I mean, you know, he may have been tone deaf. <laughs> I'm convinced he would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh,
4: so, so thinking about. Uh, what are the things that we hold dear? What are the things that are really sacred about our tradition that we must not let go? And and what are things that, that we don't have to do to go on? And I, mean, I think one of the freedoms uh, of being in a new church start is that you can let go of a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter. Uh, I was just talking to uh, a young associate um, who is uh, in another denomination who was saying um, they have uh, a big group of youth, like 40, 50 youth that come in to their congregation every week for a program. Wow. But there's no signs for how to get to the bathroom. So, <laughs> So he said, why don't we hang some signs that say, you know, bathroom this way right you wouldn't think that was a controversial issue <laughs> but it became a controversial issue um, some people feeling that it would be bad to have signs that pointed to where the bathroom was because homeless people would come in then and want to use the bathroom and um, then they would be able to find it which would endanger their children and you know um, <laughs> and uh, buildings and properties had some issues with you know putting up uh, signage and Anyway, it just got to the point, I mean, there probably were, like, three or four different leaders eventually involved in this discussion, and, I mean, he finally just gave it up, you know, are you going to go to the mat for having signs to the bathroom? you got to pick your, pick the battles, right? But I'm like, I'm so glad I don't have to have discussions like that, you know, and get bogged down about whether or not we're going to have bathroom signs.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it, it does, we're much more agile, we're much more like, yes. we're not burdened, you know, I don't have a building, we're not burdened by stuff, though yes. we did just acquire a music stand this last week, and so now I have to figure out how to make sure I have room in the car for the music stand each week, and we just like, <laughs> these pillars of traditional church, and defining what it means to be church, um, yes. you know, we started off, you know, we didn't have music, because I, I'm not, you know, I love music, but I am not, gifted to play or sing so we didn't have music when we started off and now we're slowly starting to add it in because there's someone who wants to do music and so um allowing everything to be up for discussion up for debate and if it fits great if it doesn't don't push it um and i've been really amazed at what pieces have emphatically stuck um sort of what would be traditionally called congregational pastoral prayers have become really important that mm-hmm. so then I was never expecting, you know, I, I had introduced sort of communal praying in this very loose way. Um, and I got one week, I didn't do it and I got strong feedback about we need to do that. It's like, okay, we'll do that. So now, you know, we do congregational praying, um, pastoral praying every week now. And it, 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 it has surprised me what are those pieces that are, um, have surfaced as core values. Mm.
4: Yeah, so you start to develop your own congregational norms, really, with the small, you know, group that you have, and you build on those.
3: Yeah.
4: I used to say uh, when I first started that, you know, when you're an established congregation trying to make a shift, is like, you know, trying to steer the Queen Mary. It's like yeah. you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and i said i was ready for a smaller more agile craft i'm a sailor and i was like i just want to be in a craft that can move quickly right yeah. um, that can shift uh, as needed
3: And I would say the risk of those smaller, more agile ships, they also tip over much more easily.
4: Oh, that's true.
3: <laughs> I've been
4: there. I've been in the water. Yep.
3: Mm. What are some of the, um, what are the things that keep you up at night? What are the things that ha- are, wh- what are the points of concern? What are the things that are, your anxieties are?
4: Yeah, they're probably twofold and pretty simple. Uh, one is, um, since I'm trying to re theme language, evangelism, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right, which means sharing the good news, right, which is what I think I'm doing, so um, I spend a lot of time in the community trying to build relationships of trust, Um, and that's hard work, Mm -hmm. and I'm concerned that, you know, will I be able to do that quickly enough for us to grow enough to be viable, that's Mm -hmm. one concern. Um, the other concern of course is money (laughs) Um, we don't have a huge budget um, but we do pay for my salary that's a huge chunk of the budget and you know my family actually needs that for our needs right Mm -hmm. so um, and if I weren't doing that if I didn't have that salary I would need to have some other job I don't think it's realistic to have another full-time job and be a planting pastor. It just takes so much energy and time. Um, So money is a stressor. You know, how are we going to raise the money? Um, If you're building a new community and you're establishing relationships of trust with people who have not been in church before or not for a while and who don't know you very well, You can't have them walk through the door and say, welcome, we're so glad you're here. Please give us your money, (laughs) right? Um, That's not the first place you go to now. I mean, that said, we're creating a community where all contribute, so that definitely is a value for our communities, is for everybody to uh, contribute to the community in some way, including money. Mm Um. But getting the critical, you know, there needs to be some other source of funding. So finding those other sources of funding uh, is a stress. So I think, you know, in terms of being a planting pastor, if you think about the burden on the planting pastor, because you're not only trying to nurture a community and tend to people's pastoral care needs, also to create a worship experience that is engaging and also evangelize and get out in the community and make connections and also fundraise, right, and find, you know, do grant writing and uh, look for other sources of funding. Um, It's a lot. Just this week, you know, I'm going to district conference to tell them about parables. Right, and it just so happens there's a park that's near us, about 10 minutes away. Which is they've just built the park district has just built a playground for everyone, which is the coolest. Um, it's a handicap accessible playground, so you can um, like go on the swings in your wheelchair, and cool. it's just it's just the neatest thing. You should check it out um, on the website. But um, but we are sponsoring a bike rack. For that, Parables is sponsoring the building of a bike rack. Which was designed by local college students right so I need to be at that grand opening in Elmhurst but I also need to be at district conference in Rockford which is two hours away so um, so I am driving between the two of those in one day on this two-hour drive so that I can represent them there that's just uh, that's just my life right now so working in self-care <laughs> is a creative task under those conditions right
3: yeah. I think self-care under any conditions is a daunting right? task. Yeah, it's um, true.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, I am, you know, I will say I struggle mightily with that as well. Um, mm. Trying to sort of, um, it'd be a, a whole other episode of podcast We could talk about what is self-care and how do we actually do it? Yeah. But I think there is this um, unspoken silent voice in the back of your head that sort of says if you stop if you rest everything feels so precarious that it could all fall apart yes and if i had just worked that one saturday if i had just gone to that one community if i just gone and done that one other thing maybe we wouldn't struggle maybe wouldn't you know so it's like it's that that constant fear of failure feel of falling um having that dinghy tip over, right, that little boat. Yes. Um, and if you just if you s- just kept paddling, if you just paddled a little bit harder, right. you wouldn't have tipped, even though, you know, uh, you know, so.
4: Well, and so I'm starting to, I mean, I think that is implications for us, right, personally. Like, um, it doesn't all depend on us. I try to tell myself, no, it doesn't all depend on me, and this, it depends... On the community, and also depends on God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if God wants this to happen, <laughs> then it will happen. But it actually can't happen from my all my personal effort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but also, I think that there is, and I'm starting to explore this, and I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, the burden to be busy. And to be constantly working in our culture right is is really toxic but we've carried that into the church uh, yeah well and especially I think with brethren with our German work ethic right I wasn't born and bred brethren but I was born and bred German half German um, <laughs> so you know uh, that work ethic is good mm-hmm. um, but we need to learn, uh, again, when to let go, um, when to say, I've done enough and now I need to rest.
3: Well, thank you so much. I think we could sit here and talk for hours and yeah. be content. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I hope that we get a chance to talk more in the future and w- with the podcast and just in general, it's been a joy to get to know you and to have our paths crossed this last year. And-
4: Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me.
3: If you want to know more about Parables Community, you can find them online at parablescommunity.org. They gather monthly for worship and you can join them the next on November 20th at 4 p.m. If you want to know more about what I'm doing with Wildwood Gathering, you can find us online at wildwoodgathering.org or on Facebook. Until next time, friends, take care.
2: Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Oh, the Bible. Oh, the Bible tells me so.
0: Do you remember that time your cell phone rang in a quiet church or auditorium or was it the person near you and how did you feel uncomfortable embarrassed were you ever the child at church who dropped the hymnal with a loud crash during the prayer why are we conditioned to believe proper behavior or norms includes quiet somber attention in church of course as with any lecture we want to respect the presenter or leader. But a quiet worship service, where the only allowed sounds are the voice of a leader and the prescribed hymn singing, seems a long way from the biblical intent of, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. What changes in worship evolved since the time the psalmist wrote, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, and come into God's presence with singing? Maybe those Puritan ancestors in America's Northeast infected us with more lasting harm than just the scarlet letter, although I think it went further back than English colonists. I know that Brethren history in America includes a past ban on musical instruments. It seems hard to believe today, at a time when we have all kinds of instruments in church, but I heard of one whose very constitution forbade an organ from ever entering through the doors of the church. I understand when the culture of the attendees evolved, some very clever entrepreneurs brought the desired instrument in through the window. As with many changes that we have made and accepted in social norms, why has church, even after the introduction of music, remained so controlled? Well, not all churches are, of course. Other cultures and traditions embrace a more free-form worship than many. Of the mainline churches do and that allows the spirit to move as it will but even those churches have a somewhat expected series of responses Jean has created a truly welcoming community by changing the social norms for worship I was most touched when she said I walk through the door how I am isn't that how God meets us just the way we are And how can we claim to be welcoming if we exclude people who can't adjust to our norms and shouldn't be asked to? People make up the church or any organization. So how long does it take you to feel comfortable with change? The challenge for Dunker Punks this week is an introspective one. Examine your comfort zones. What do you call proper behavior? How do you feel? When someone speaks or shouts unexpectedly what do you do we need to change to truly welcome the other i invite you to tag your responses on social media with hashtag welcome the other send us your thoughts experiences and challenges so everyone on social media can follow along and respond and tag the dunker punks pod so that we can all see it i leave you now with the rest of psalm 100 which is both reminder and blessing for our praise and worship. Know that the Lord is God. It is God that made us and we are gods. We are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks to God and bless the Lord's name. For the Lord is good. The Lord's steadfast love endures forever and the Lord's faithfulness to all generations until next time dunker punks may we be surprised by the breadth and depth of God's children the dunker punks podcast includes a dozen contributors who are willing to challenge ourselves in ever greater ways to seek and live the Jesus way I'm Nancy Fitzgerald your host and our audio editor this week is Suzanne Lay, who also produces the show. Jacob Krauss wrote and performs our music. We are sponsored by the Arlington Church of the Brethren. You can find the show hosted at arlingtoncob.org DPP or on your favorite podcast app. Connect with us on social media at DunkerPunksPod.
2: Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so.